What is going on, regulars? Welcome back on another Thursday. It is your boy, Bobby. Caitlin, we need to know, are you still in a relationship? <laughs> well, first of all, hi. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell them hi if you want. Uh, but yeah, I am. Oh, man. I know. Please. It's been a couple weeks, guys. Well, actually, it's been like quite a few months, but um, I've been claiming the title of girlfriend for a few weeks now, so we're, we're doing well. He's made it. He's survived thus far. Yeah, he has. Um, I do. This weekend was <laughs> a little interesting. Um, the the man that we spoke of a few months ago um, that I am dating is the same guy who is also named Bobby. So there's I, that. I have boyfriend Bobby and I have podcast Bobby, which is it confuses my friends. It confuses my family. Sometimes I get confused. Like it's a whole thing. Um, but. I was working this past Sunday at my part-time job at the bar, and it was the day after Podcast Bobby's birthday, (laughs) and he had come in to visit because he was, like, in rare form, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but, um, and then my boyfriend Bobby was also visiting, and my immediate family was there with my niece and my nephew and my sister, and they had never met Podcast Bobby um, and my sister was just meeting my boyfriend, Bobby, for the first time. So it was a lot of, like, confusion. And I was super pumped for them to meet you, Bobby, because, like... Uh, yeah, I never met them. And we spend so much time together. It's wild that my family hasn't met you yet. And I feel like I'm part of your family. So that was a big moment for me. But also, like, they're meeting my boyfriend. And I'm, like, equally, like, trying pumped to- about both and, like, trying to be, like, this is Bobby number one. This is Bobby number two. But like, they're both, I don't know who's the one, who's the two. Like, can we use initials? Like, and my nephew, of course, is like seven years old. He's just like his head spinning and he's just seeing so many potential friends for him to have. He doesn't care. He's like, they're all named Bob and I love them all. They're all my best buddies. He's a cool cool little kid. We fist bumped when I walked away. So I'm pretty sure he likes me. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, that was fun. That was interesting. And like you said, I was in rare form. Um, because I was hungover. Woo! Bobby right. drank. Yes, I drank. I was loaded. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I fell over. I have a pretty big scratch on my back, which we still haven't figured out what that's from. Not sure at all. Um, it's okay. Love that for you. <laughs> I survived. Um, I have this weird pain. It's oddly enough because like I talked about getting old and turning 30. I have this weird like pain in my hip, I think from falling over in the same incident. Are you so. sure it's not your kidney? <sighs> You could be just like super dehydrated still. No, no, it's like a bruise pain. Like it hurts like when I push on it. Like yeah, it happens yeah. with your kidney too. Well, now I'm gonna have to go on WebMD. Oh my god, no, no, I lied. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's bruised. It's bruised. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I threw another party because the party the weekend before for my birthday, I didn't know what was happening until I showed up because it was a surprise. So, yeah, I had planned this party, and, yeah, it was a good time. At least I thought it was a good time. I had so much fun. I just need to say, like, I had planned to go to this party because I had a long-ass day ahead of me the next day. I worked a 14-hour shift at the bar the next day. Um, And I was like, I'll go pop in two hours, whatever. And I stayed far longer than I should have, and I had a fucking blast. It was awesome. (laughs) There's a video of me and two of my buddies one of which I haven't seen in like years. Um, dancing to like oldies or like classical music at like one in the morning. Just us, see when I us left, three. you were gone. I don't know where you went. I couldn't find you. I had shady bounce and I didn't see you. Cool. I didn't know where I was at either I the whole that. time. And uh, <laughs> did you black out? Uh, I browned out definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like to call that blacking out and then blacking back in. <laughs> yeah, we. It's confusing. It's very confusing. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, we were like dancing at like, what, there's a video of it. I'll show it to you. It's hilarious. And and then my mom comes down in the middle of it and I'm just like, Hey mom, <laughs> like, then like, you know, like it's so stupid, but it was a good time. That was pretty much the highlight of my, I had four days off of work. One thing I did realize is that I can't take days off of work without something to do. So like I was off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I knew I was going to need Sunday. That's understood. And you had said that to me. And I was like, you'll be fine. I've, it was. I was struggling. Yeah, I was You struggling. were talking so slow and you were just like staring. I was like, 
this is okay. I like this version was, of you because it makes me feel less shitty about me. But anyway, continue. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and yeah, so I knew I was going to need Sunday, but I like booked Monday just in case, you know, it, it was real bad. Dude, I did nothing on Monday and I was going fucking nuts. You didn't enjoy it? I mean, I did because I had nothing to do and really nothing to like kind of report to, I guess. And when's the last time you did nothing before that? Um, Exactly. Everyone needs a little bit of nothing in their life. I get that, but I was literally going crazy. I was, I was like, I have to get up. I'm gonna stop you there, and you guys will learn why later in the episode. We're gonna try to stop using crazy as an adjective. So you were going a little. Uh, I was going to say stir crazy. That's the exact same thing. Um, I was getting frustrated. There we go. Frustrated is a good alternative. <laughs> I was getting frustrated because I wasn't doing anything. And then now I just realized, like, unless I have something to do, don't take off of work. Got it. Just That's just a new, like, self-reflection thing that I've learned about myself. Can't relate at all. I love <laughs> doing nothing. I never get to do nothing, but I really enjoy it when I do. So I, I laid in bed till like noon and I was like, okay, I know I'm going to go to the gym. I know I'm going to do this, but I have all day to do it. And I'm like, I couldn't motivate myself to just go get it done. So yeah, then I, I could that. relax. I get that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, do the relax after the right. things that, you know, it was just weird. But to talk about today's episode, Oof. how cool is this one? It's exciting, guys. It is the first remote podcast that we have recorded um our guest is all the way f- she's actually originally from new jersey pennsylvania the this whole northeast area but she now lives in arizona and we recorded remotely it was so much fun it was so fun it was so different i, I think it's a lot more like introspective than I expe- expected it to be when someone's sitting here like we can shoot the shit no problem but I felt like I was like a little more in my head than I thought I'd be but it was so fun yeah it was I, I think I was in my head because me being the technical side of this I was like everything has to work perfectly yeah. and you know we ran into some technical difficulties and things might sound a little different but you know what like ultimately the content of the episode is is awesome yeah and i have to give bobby a shout out he worked really hard to research like how the hell do we even do this and then troubleshooted it and all that stuff so thanks bobby i appreciate you i thank you i appreciate you too so on that note do you want to talk about who we're gonna have on yeah so so we actually heard from this person from instagram which we'll talk a little bit about you know once we get into it but through the episode that we did with Jake Lors and Joel Chandler at the Your Life Gym, uh, this woman, Janelle, reached out to us on Instagram and said, hey, I saw your podcast. I'm a therapist. Do you guys want to record an episode? We're like, hell yeah. Like this, we, you know, looked at her Instagram page like she looks great. And then I'm just talking to Bobby like, so when do you want to do it? And he's like, well, she lives in Arizona. I'm like, what? How are we going to do this? And in comes Bobby saving the day. So trying my best. <laughs> trying <laughs> so, my best. Yeah. So without further ado, we are going to introduce Janelle Hedick. All right. We are here with a very exciting guest this week. Janelle Hedick. She is a licensed mental health therapist and she reached out to us on the gram. So welcome, Janelle. Thank you for having me. I meet a lot of friends on the gram. <laughs> it was funny. So last night, um, you know, Janelle and I were talking and we were like, oh, just talking about how we kind of came in contact with each other. And she was like, I sometimes just get down this spiral of just finding things on Instagram and this, that. And you popped up from um, the episode, the episode 34 with the Your Life Gym and Heart Support. And, you know, it looked really interesting. So I reached out and here we are. This is so exciting. This is the first thing that we've done remote. Um, so thank you, Janelle, for being our guinea pig. Um, thanks for sticking in there for some technical difficulties, but we're here and we're excited. So uh, tell us about yourself. Yes, I'm excited to be here too, and I'm glad we got it all figured out. But uh, I am Janelle Hedick, like you mentioned. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey. Um, I went to Pencil or high school in Pennsylvania, and uh, 
moved to Arizona. Uh, I don't even know what year it was anymore. It's kind of just a little bit ago now, but it's been almost seven years that I've been here, which seems wild to say. But I came out here for Arizona State University. I transferred from community college to the university. I got my undergraduate degree in social work. Um, let's see here, 2016. And then I just got my master's degree in the spring semester of 2019. So two years ago, which is wild. It flew by. Um, and yeah, I started my career in medical social work, uh, just working at a skilled nursing facility. And then I did emergency department social work, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I've been here at Empowering Youth Therapy in Tempe um, for a year and a half now. And it's been incredible. I, I love being a therapist. It's the shit. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of one of those things where if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Um, and I don't know. I just really enjoy it. It brings like it gives me a lot of like personal fulfillment, not just like professional fulfillment. Um, which I think is pretty unique. Um, not a lot of people really get to say that, unfortunately, but I'm very happy, proud. Um, beyond that, um, I'm a wife. I met my husband, Tyler, when I moved to Arizona. We actually met three months after I moved here. Um, so that was pretty quick. Um, and we have two Huskies, Cobalt and Akira, which we love. Those are our children. I'm like obsessed with cobalt and he's obsessed with me too. Like it's mutual. Um, so I, it's funny because have I to have to share some photos of your dogs so that we can see them and, and, and put them on our Instagram page. Cause we love dogs too. <laughs> yes. Hell yes. Well, they have an Instagram, so you can just follow them. <laughs> Perfect. We'll tag them. <laughs> yeah. So I have anxiety and Cobalt also has anxiety. So we just like mutually support each other in that way. It's a very special bond. I, you know, I don't know what I would do without him. <laughs> it's funny you actually say that because I, I went through a period one time where I actually had to end things with a girl who I didn't really want to end things with, but it was like something that had to be done. And I wound up like going back to my fraternity house and sitting down. And usually there was somebody there. No one was there except the dog. And this dog was wild. It was a rescue pit. Um, her name was Katia. She was so beautiful. Um, but she was usually like high energy. And she like came over and like cuddled with me, which she didn't really do. And I was like, you know, I need you right now. Like, you know this, you know, it's fun. So it's funny you bring up that like you two kind of feed off of each other. I was going to say it's, it works great because Bobby and I also have anxiety. So we should all just hang out with you and your dog. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, no, dogs are definitely so intuitive. And I'm actually, I just um, last week actually put down a payment on a puppy because I am getting, I'm getting a Pomsky and essentially it's going to be my therapy dog. So I'm going to get to bring my dog to work every day. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Hell yes. I thought you were about to say you put down your other dog. I'm like, wow, this, no, this conversation no, 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 is taking no. a sharp turn. <laughs> All right. So two dogs married, living in Arizona. Can I ask, when you were going to school for social work, did you know that you wanted to be a licensed therapist at some point or was your plan social work? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So when I finished high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I actually have a liberal arts degree, associate's degree from Bucks County Community College in Pennsylvania. Um, and while I was there, I kind of figured it out. And I think the reason why I decided uh, to go the work, the route of social work and, you know, to want to become a therapist um, was a conversation I actually had with my stepmom. My stepmom is also a social worker and a therapist. Um, I had no idea what social work was at all. I didn't know what it entailed. I didn't know all the many things that you can do with a degree in it. And I, I just instantly fell in love with the idea. And it was even further um, confirmed or validated when I came to ASU. And I remember like my first day of classes 
and just that feeling of I am exactly where I need to be right now. Um, so it was pretty awesome. Um, but more specifically, I think the choice to be a therapist um, with my social work degree um, was just due to my personal mental health struggles and things that I've seen, you know, throughout life. Um, and my dad also has depression. And, and I recently found out he also has ADHD too, which is funny um, because I think he brought it up to me because he saw I posted about it on Instagram and he's like, hey, you didn't tell me this. I have that too, <laughs> um, which is kind of interesting. But So we should point out too also that Prior to recording, we obviously have spoken to Janelle a, a bit. We didn't just hop on the mic with a stranger. Um, so she has ADHD, as hopefully the listeners know I have as well. So we have that in common, too. And I guess now your dad does also. Did he know yeah. that his whole life, or how, has he been, no. been treated for it? No. So he didn't know until, like, probably recently, like I did, too. And he's, I don't even know. I'm so terrible with ages anymore, but he's, like, mid-50s at the oldest um, so he's always struggled with depression. So I also have depression. Can I just list this off real quick? So I have, <laughs> I have generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder and ADHD. And I take antidepressants. I've been on them for at least 10 years now. And I actually just got diagnosed with ADHD in November of 2020. So I just started getting treated for that with medication. So I am also on stimulant medication. So I have a lot of the things. I have experience on both ends, being a client, being a therapist, um, you know, struggling myself. So, um, I mean, unfortunately, I'm very well-rounded. <laughs> and I think that's important to, like, bring up because, like Caitlin mentioned, like, you and I had spoke um, prior to this just to get an idea of what we wanted to cover today. And I thought that there's a couple different interesting points that we're going to go over today. And one of which being you struggling with these things, it is mental health awareness month. Um, so that's, as our listeners know, that's kind of what we've been honing on in um, even deeper this month. And I think that's really interesting that you, you suffer from these uh, you know, these challenges and yet every single day you show up to work trying to help, that people just like you through that. So what, what does that look like? What challenges do you face, you know, having to deal with both sides of the spectrum there? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I actually have an example from yesterday um, because I had, I had one client in the morning and it was remote. So I worked from home and then I went to the nail salon to get my nails did. Right. So I got my pedicure. Everything's going great. I sit down to get my nails done, which are, you know, black and acrylic, by the way. Super cute. I was going to say they look fantastic. Thank <laughs> you. So I just out of nowhere. So my anxiety is not always directly following an event or a thought or anything. It'll just happen. Um, it loves to do that. It's its thing, you know. So I'm like sitting there and I feel like, you know, I'm about to have a heart attack. Um, so I'm having this you know, panic attack and what panic attacks look like for me, it's not, um, I think a lot of people get the misconception that they're very loud and audible and visible and that people are shaking and that they're sobbing, but I'm quiet. It's very quiet. Um, I definitely cried yesterday at the nail salon, but it wasn't like a full on cry. It was just only a couple of tears coming out because even though I feel very comfortable crying, showing emotion, it's still just one of those societal things that, you know, you probably shouldn't cry at a nail salon, even though there wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. Um, so fuck the stigma. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but I'm just did it anyway. So. Oh yeah. You're You're good. Good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like to ask for forgiveness instead of permission, but yeah. So I'm, just, I'm liking you more and more yeah, every minute. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> so, <Thanks. laughs> so yeah, just, kind of having that going on in the the afternoon and I came back to the office like immediately after and I actually I had like a meeting so I didn't have clients immediately after and during that meeting I was able to feel a lot more regulated and back to my like normal chipper self but um, it's definitely hard I I struggle a lot with 
Um, I feel like my anxiety is like very depressive. It's kind of like disaster thinking like this is the worst possible thing that could happen, like me feeling this way. And to a point, like I, it's not the worst thing that is possible, but trying to imagine that feeling of like me feeling like my life is upside down and like, I don't know, like the world is ending and I'm having this like heart attack to like, oh, in an hour, I'm going to have somebody across this couch and like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Um, but when I sit down and, you know, practice coping skills, grounding skills, like they all work, it always passes. And I'm very non-judgmental of myself, which is something that took a very long time. It used to be like, why am I feeling this way? This is, you know, not okay. Um, you know, whatever terrible thing you can say to yourself when you're struggling, like I've been there and I've done all of that. Um, and it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve anyone really. Um, so just practicing, um, you know, viewing myself and my struggles from a place of self-compassion and love instead of shame and, you know, hatred, um, and working through the difficult feelings instead of trying to avoid them. Cause that's what we really need to be doing to be able to process that. Um, and always coming out on the other end, you know, okay. Like it always passes anything that I've ever gone through, anything that anybody will ever go through will pass. Uh, the only constant is change. Um, so I definitely sometimes have this fear that I'm, I've never had to cancel on any sessions due to my mental health yet. Well, actually, no, I did one. Um, so, and I even felt like really bad about that, but I'm trying to think about, you know, is there going to be a day or a couple of days that come where I have six people scheduled and I have to like cancel on 12 different people. And if it comes to it, I will, cause I need to do what I need to do for me. I always come first. Um, but I think I carry definitely still a lot of guilt around the fact that I, that might come into play and I might be putting, you know, other people in a difficult spot. Um, I don't have many uh, clients with active suicidal ideation, but that's just something that's on my mind. I'm like, okay, what if, you know, somebody is really struggling and they needed this appointment and I am not able to be there. So realistically, logically, I know that I can't always be 100% all the time. And that's for anybody. That's regardless of having a mental illness. But that is definitely something that can be on my mind. And it's a lot to carry. So again, just being kind and patient, understanding and using all of the skills that I have and just knowing that, you know, I've survived 100% of my hardest days and moments. That is one of my favorite sayings. I'm not joking. I have that again. That's printed out at my desk. Yay! It's it's a good track record when you've survived all your worst days. What I always say. Yep. Yep. I think it was really important too that you you brought up and addressed the fact. I actually had this conversation with uh, my mom the other day, and I was like, "You you need to not worry about other people sometimes because my mom cares so much. It's the best." trait that she has but it's also her achilles heel where she cares so much about other people that she forgets who number one is and number one is herself and you even said that that you know if i have to do this i have to look out for myself so i commend you for for having that perspective yeah being very empathetic and caring for other people without boundaries is very disastrous it's not say it louder for the people in the back baby <laughs> yeah it's I, I mean, I've been there. I still am there sometimes, to be honest. Um, I, it was actually the, the other day, it might've been not the nail salon day, but it was last week. And I had to just cancel like one of my evening appointments. Um, and I was fortunate enough to like, not have that many people that evening where I wasn't feeling my best. So, but it was one person and I just still felt like I'm going to die if I cancel this person. And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Like I, it's so funny because when you're super, you know, 
emotional or having a lot of anxiety or just, you know, having like a panic attack, you don't have a lot of access to your logical brain. Um, it kind of shuts off. We're living in our emotional mind. So I feel like I've gotten a lot better at letting myself slow down in those moments and trying to tap into that so I can remember what is actually representative of the truth. Like this is not the end of my life or career. If I need to cancel one client, we're going to be good. Um, so just giving myself, you know, access to my logical brain, my logical mind, um, is so beneficial. And I think that that's something, um, a lot of people definitely struggle with when they are struggling with anxiety, depression, any mental illness is, you know, there, there is an option to ground ourselves and take a step back from the situation, realize that we are not our thoughts, we are not our feelings, we are not our illness, and access that full perspective again of the situation. Like we have our emotional mind and we have our logical mind, um, and we need to be able to have access to both of them to make good decisions and to be able to communicate effectively. I love that. I, I, that's, I love that. That's great. So can I ask also, you talked a little bit about your, what panic attacks look like for you and what your anxiety looks like. Um, selfishly, I'm going to say I teared up because that you described my panic attacks to a T and I'm so thrilled to share that I have not had a panic attack in almost a full year, which is like huge. Um, but man, when I had them, that, that that's exactly what they were for me. A good friend of mine also suffers from anxiety, or I don't want to say suffers. She lives with anxiety, and hers look totally different. Can you kind of just talk a little bit about, like, what some of those things are for people that don't have to deal with that and aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of the physical symptoms of anxiety um, can be people normally experiencing anxiety, or they can be, like, panic attacks. It just depends on the severity of them. But it's typically shortness of breath, rapid heart rate, um, you know, kind of like having a hot flash, uh, sweating, um, obviously like racing thoughts. But those are probably like the main uh, different symptoms that would indicate anxiety or having, you know, a anxiety attack, a panic attack. It just depends on how intense they are um, for experiencing anxiety and not to say that not to discredit having an anxiety disorder experiencing anxiety um but when we're at a spot where um i guess we're having like day-to-day -day anxiety it's manageable you can have access to your logical mind you can remember oh i have skills to use and you can have access to all of that but sometimes for people who are having panic attacks that part of their brain just shuts off and all they know is what's currently happening. And it feels like the end. Um, like it definitely feels like there's no escaping it, no getting through it. It can be very intense. And that's usually when a lot of people turn to self-harm, um, even if they have skills, because if they're not really having access to that logical brain, they're not going to be like skills. They're going to do whatever they need to do the quickest possible thing to give, provide a distraction or numb the pain. And that's where we get a lot of like substance abuse and, uh, you know, self-harming behaviors. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, so it's funny when you, if we're going on the, uh, street here of like what our panic attacks or anxiety attacks are mine are somewhat similar to yours they're kind of silent but i feel like my chest vibrating like i feel like like i feel like it's just vibrating and then i'm just like why are you like i'm pretty self-aware in the sense that i'm like you're super anxious right now for no reason you're kind of mm -hmm. just sitting at work and there's no customers in the store why are, why are you anxious and then i'm like and then this the the racing thoughts going like, oh, well, you're anxious because of this. And then you just start making all these excuses of why you're anxious. And I'm like, why am I freaking out right now? Like, and then I try to calm myself down by like breathing. And I'm like, okay, dude, it's fine. Like, you're good. You're just at work doing what you normally do. But in that moment, like you said, it feels so real. It's fight or flight. And you're just like going to do anything that you can. So that's usually where I'll like supplement finding work to do like i'll be like okay uh i i'm feeling like this I, i'm feeling anxious 
I'll start making some cold calls. Or, you know what I mean? Oh my I'll gosh, go. I could never make a cold call during a panic attack. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. I'm like, hello, my brain is a potato. Yeah. I need help. <laughs> but uh, I'll do that or I'll be like, uh, let, I'll go reorganize a safe room or I'll like clean up, you know, like I'll, I'll just find something to do because if I can just distract my mind from that, that's, like I said, if we were going down the street of sharing our experiences, that's mine right there. For me, I, I think what was the scariest part of it is like, I just didn't know what was happening for the longest time. I couldn't understand like what my body was doing. And I would think like, okay, maybe because I would, sometimes I would get nauseous. I'm like, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm hungover at four o'clock in the afternoon and I had uh, one glass of wine last night. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm getting a migraine. Maybe I'm thirsty. Like I would like go through so many physical things. Like maybe this is it. And it took me probably six months to start being able to really recognize like, okay, this is happening. Like exactly what you said, because I want to go to like, okay, we'll fix this, fix this, fix this. And then nothing was happening, helping at all. And it was so confusing for, for so long because I just didn't. I never, I it came up probably my, my late 20s um, following a traumatic event for me. And it was so confusing. But a lot, like you said, like that's uh, such a, I, I've never heard it put that way the emotional brain and the logical brain, because it really makes so much sense. Like you're, like you feel trapped. Like you said, I, I guess I've heard a lot about panic attacks. Like you, you're thinking, like, this is going to be the end very similarly to how you described it um but to me I was like oh well that means that I would think I'm gonna die and I don't feel like I'm gonna die I've never felt like that but feeling like the end of the panic attack is not anywhere in sight that I have absolutely felt and I I don't know that I've ever really connected that until right now so thank you (laughs) you're so welcome so it's at the emotional mind, logical mind, it's actually a dialectical behavioral therapy skill. It's called wise mind. So if anybody wants to look it up, it's actually really cool. If you look it up on Google images, uh, just D is in dog, DBT, uh, wise mind. And there's a Venn diagram actually. And it shows that like overlapping almost that we have our emotional mind, logical mind, And that overlap in the middle with the Venn diagram is our wise mind. So it's when we're able to ground ourselves out of that, you know, um, just panic state and to be able to be fully present with ourselves and have access to both of those things. And then when we're uh, in our wise mind, that's when we're able to, like I mentioned, like communicate most effectively and make good choices. So that's why they say, you know, never make like decisions when you're angry and whatnot, because it's absolutely true. It's not at all going to be representative of what you actually want. It's just going to be only one part of you wanting that. Preach. (laughs) Really good. You're really good at your job. Thank you. I try. So one thing that you mentioned that I didn't speak on is like the nausea. And another thing is, well, actual vomiting too nausea, vomiting, and GI issues. Those are the ones that nobody loves to talk about. I was so confused. I'm like, what is, why do I feel like I'm going to, I was on the beach. I'm like, do I, I must need water. Then I was like, no. You know what, you know what this actually reminds me of is episode 33 with Joe. Remember he was having the GI problems and he had convinced himself Joe you know, could have been going through these same things. And that's kind of maybe where that stems from. I'm going to have to talk to Joe. Yeah, we had a guest on who who got himself so convinced that he had this really like life-threatening medical condition because of some internal stuff that he had going on that he actually pretty much drove himself to like a really dark depression breaking point because of like these s- symptoms that he manifested into this what disease, he thought, what was, he thought was a life, life-threatening disease. But I suspected that there was something else happening there. It sounds like a lot of stress too, because if you're imagining going through, you know, thinking that you're having a life-threatening disease, that is just one of the most stressful things I can imagine. Yeah, and and it wound up being not even remotely close to what it was. So um, I want to get into, I want to reel back a little bit. Um, like I said, we, before we had talked, um, you had mentioned that you had been in therapy yourself for a long period of time, practically, I think you said um, last night that you'd been there for almost your whole life. Um, What did that look like? 
Yeah, so I started when when I was a teenager. So it was either 18 or 19. Um, and I was starting to notice that I was struggling probably when I was in like eighth grade. I don't think there's anything I could specifically pinpoint that happened. I think it was just a culmination of things. Um, did not have the best relationship with my mom. My parents divorced when I was, I think, three years old. So I never remember them being together. Uh, so our situation was living full time with mom and every other weekend with dad type deal, um, which is usually the case. Um, it's rarely different than that. Um, so I never really feel like I fully knew my dad because I only saw him every other weekend type thing. And I knew I wasn't having a very good time with my mom. Um, and I, it was hard for me to identify all of that at the time. If I'm being honest, this is all kind of in hindsight. Um, but I just really remember like, you know, from eighth grade throughout high school, just like, you know, really struggling with self-esteem and self-worth and, you know, what is the point of all of this? And it, it was not fun. I never had any suicidal plans or even, so the thing is, I didn't know what intrusive thoughts were until, you know, grad school. So I always thought that I was having suicidal thoughts and I was planning these things on my own, but I was not having actual suicidal thoughts. I was having intrusive thoughts, which were like suicidal in nature. Um, so can you, can you give us some, some information, like some jargon? What are intrusive thoughts? Yeah. So intrusive thoughts, I mean, they really are what it sounds like. So they're thoughts that come out of nowhere. They're not you consciously thinking these thoughts, they're just coming into you, uh, like into your mind out of nowhere. So for example, some of the ones that I would have, and th this one's actually really common, like when people are driving, and just like having that idea that like, I could totally like swerve into this car right now and like end it all. Or we literally I, talked about this on our episode, that exact scenario last week. This is yeah, wild. continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I can swerve into the median, I can drive my car off a bridge, like, there's just so many different things. And it's like, no, I don't fucking want to do that, like at all. But it's like, but what if? And it just keeps happening. Um, and I think that it was crazy because I had no idea what was happening. And I was like, am I that fucked up? <laughs> but then but then when I figured out what it was, I was like, oh, my gosh, so many people have this. This is very normal. And it was so validating. Um, like you're not losing your shit if you have these thoughts and you don't even have any interest in, you know, pursuing them. So that's more or less like the difference between intrusive thoughts and suicidal thoughts, like suicidal thoughts, like you're actually thinking of, you know, possible intentions, um, maybe without no plan, without any plan. Um, but intrusive thoughts are things that we're not controlling that are coming into our mind. So like another one that I would have and our like little patio balcony thing wasn't that high. I wouldn't have even died type of thing. But I was like, you know, I'm just feeling so depressed. Like I could just jump off this like balcony thing. Um, and I was like, what is happening? So it was just all of these things that I wasn't really choosing and without having any education on it or feeling like anybody fully understood me and, you know, like being a teenage girl um, sometimes you just feel like misunderstood in general. So it's not like I didn't have people around me who, you know, cared for me and supported me, but I almost felt like these things aren't normal. So it's shameful to even admit that I'm experiencing this. So I was alone because I made myself be alone, but I also didn't make myself be alone. I kind of, I blame the mental health stigma for sure. Um, but, and that's a really big thing that I'd love to just chat about briefly, um, at the very least, but that's why a lot of people don't talk about things. Why they feel a lot of shame is because the way that society, um, you know, shows mental illness, um, like we use the words like crazy and psycho to like say that our friend is like eccentric, but like, you know, the word crazy 
is always used towards people who are, you know, mentally ill. And the word psycho is literally, you know, someone who's a psychopath is mentally ill. And then we're using that word because we think it's funny and to describe people. And also, while I'm on the topic, using any like mental illnesses as adjectives and, you know, oh my God, my OCD is acting up so bad right now because my highlighters are not, you know, in line perfectly or, you know, whatever. And um, all of those little things, even if they have no ill intent, um, or maybe there's some ignorance there still for a lot of people, uh, but all of those things definitely are harmful and do perpetuate the mental health stigma that allows people to continue to suffer in silence. I, I fully agree with that. And I have to say, I'm sitting here like checking myself a little bit because I am very, I try to be very conscious of the way that I speak, but I say crazy a lot. I definitely uh, say absolutely. crazy a lot. I think everyone is a little guilty of using the crazy and, and using, like you said, all the, the words as adjectives. I do try and check as much as possible. It's hard though, because when you're growing up, you know, as a kid, you know, yeah. you don't know any better. You're, you're, yeah. and it's now just being talked about for the first time too. No one's really, no one's really said this. And I would say until probably the last five, I would say maybe five years, it's really become a topic. But I think I agree. I, I can't speak to the OCD part, but having ADHD when someone's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm having an ADD moment. Like I feel when I hear that, I almost feel like I'm like, no, you're not. Like, you don't really know what you're talking about. And, like, the, the fact that people think that they can have moments of it makes it feel like they don't think it's as big of a deal as it actually is. And, like, I'm being dramatic for it affecting my life the way that it does. Yeah, absolutely. And you're definitely not the only one who feels that way when these things come up. And imagine, you know, I mean, and I'm sure you have, but just imagine hearing and seeing stigma all over the place when you're younger it is confusing and it is definitely very isolating and shaming and we're a little bit older and wiser and we have the ability to know like okay that person's kind of an a-hole or maybe they're just ignorant and maybe I can educate them. I think that's another thing that's really important that a lot of people feel uncomfortable with is you know if you like notice the stigma being perpetuated like say what's up like and be kind about it obviously you don't have to like you know um fight somebody to the death or anything but just feel like, like hey. embarrass them for messing up yeah i think i think that's the most important thing that you brought up is like be kind when you do it like sometimes people just don't know or they don't even realize it themselves because like i said we were we've been doing this for you know i just turned 30 you know what i mean so i up until really, I would say the last two years, I haven't really paid any attention to this. Now I'm starting to, and it's like, so I got to break a 28 year old habit, you know, of, of, of this. So, but the way to bring it up is my biggest thing is do not be condescending. Don't be like, oh, well, because I know, you know, more than or you, don't you don't embarrass that. Like people exactly. try to embarrass people and it's like, how is that? No one likes to be called out when they make a mistake. Like, why? If you're trying to help, you don't need to be like, um, you're a douche. Don't do that. Like, yeah. there's like exactly like you said, there's a better way. Yeah. And we're not going to like, I don't know. They unintentionally are like shaming or not shaming, but like invalidating people's experiences who actually have these mental illnesses. And we don't want to like fight shame with shame. That's just there's. That's a lose-lose. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, nobody wins that battle. Another thing that you had mentioned um, to me last night, um, and you actually mentioned earlier in this episode, you're married. And I think you had mentioned last night that you go to couples therapy. So you're still currently in therapy for yourself, correct? Yes. And then you do couples therapy as well, too. Yep. So your whole life is therapy. Yep. <laughs> we love that. We plug therapy here so hard. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. So it's funny because one day a couple of weeks ago, I had finished up with my sessions for the day. And I think I had six people that day. Like it was a full day. And then 
I came home and I actually sat in with my husband's therapist, like his individual therapist. So I sat in on another therapy session. And then right after that, we went to couples therapy and I was like, what is happening today? Um, but you know, all good things. I mean, I, I love therapy. I obviously, I believe in it a lot. Um, but I, I've been going every other week and our couples therapy is also every other week. Um, I don't know. It's cool. I think that we can always be better together and really all couples should at least consider it. Um, especially we didn't do it before marriage. Um, but I feel like honestly, that would be the best time to start. Like, Hey, we're, things are getting serious. We want to be engaged. We want to talk about this future. Um, let's make sure we really know how to communicate even when it is hard. Um, because you don't want to not learn what you could have learned and then end up in a relationship where, you know, your emotional needs aren't being met or you're not able to speak to one another without, you know, somebody having, um, you know, being passive aggressive or condescending. Cause those things definitely come up in relationships and not to say that anybody ever enters relationships with poor intentions. Um, but it's just always a great safe space to learn and continue to grow together. Um, so we've been doing that. I don't even know now. I feel like it's been, it's over six months. So I really enjoy it. And he's, he's really enjoyed it too. He actually started his individual therapy almost a year ago now. And then again, like about six months of couples therapy. So it's, it's been really cool to watch him grow um, and learn a lot more about himself. Um, because I mean, obviously, like, I definitely have a way different perspective of things because I, you know, I went to school for this, I do this for a living. Um, so it's really cool to, you know, watch the person that I love, like, really benefit from it in a way that I have also benefited from it. Um, it's kind of, you know, full circle. And it's, it's been very good, very beneficial. I do want to commend you um, just for saying that you're in couples therapy because Amen. again there's this negative stigma that you if you're in couples therapy there's something wrong and you're like no no we're here because we're great and we just or we're good and we want to be great you know what i mean there's mike there's good basketball players michael jordan was a great one you're trying to become michael jordan and you're trying to do it together and that's and i so i just want to commend that there's you don't have the shame in saying that and that's awesome yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think the same thing comes up with like people going to individual therapy and um, just the general idea that something has to be wrong or you're broken, something definitely needs to be fixed or else, you know, the marriage is over or, you know, with like individual therapy, um, you know, people just always assume like the worst thing possible and maybe something bad is going on but it's really like everybody um I don't know it's really not anybody's business but your own and it sucks because there's all there will always be people who have opinions and thoughts either negative or positive um and I think that it's difficult for a lot of people who struggle with their mental health and maybe you know that causes relationship concerns to not take the opinions of other people so highly, um, therefore not getting the treatment that they need and deserve. So it, it can sometimes be a very vicious cycle, but there's, there doesn't have to be anything wrong. You don't have, you don't even have to have a mental illness to go to therapy. You don't have to have any kind of diagnosis. Um, it depends though, because if you're going through your insurance, your insurance plan requires the therapist to, give you a diagnosis on the very first day of meeting you, which is really ridiculous. Um, because that's like judging a book by its cover, like to, absolutely. The, to, to the T of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I probably won't chat about the ins healthcare system for a long time. Cause I'll, I'll get pissed off and I want to enjoy my dinner after this, but <laughs> it's, it's really fucked up. Like, I don't know exactly where the change needs to begin. I think what we can do is 
keep mental health in mind when we're voting people into offices, either on like a small scale in like our community or on a larger scale, um, because this can be changed. Like it's not fixed like this. It's not set in stone. Like there definitely can be changes made to make mental health care more accessible and more normalized. And it's definitely not treated as equal to physical health. Like you can go and, um, you know, like you don't have to have a diagnosis for a lot of things for physical health to get just like a checkup and a treatment. There doesn't have to be really anything wrong with you. Um, like for example, people do, what is it? Routine physicals, like for maintenance, uh, once a year for, you know, their physical health and go to their primary care doctor. And not to say that like one singular one hour visit a year with a therapist is going to be, you know, the best for everybody. But for the most part, um, you know, it's at least something. <laughs> um, and yeah, right now, like a lot of people don't have access to the services and resources that they need. And uh, yeah, it just, it kind of stinks. And even if you have insurance, right? I had insurance when I was seeing um, my therapist and my deductible was like $5,000 that I was never going to fucking meet. So I'm like, oh, okay. So technically I am paying privately. I do have insurance technically, but I'm paying privately. Um, so I think that's something important for everybody to remember too. Like it's easy to like look at people around us and like, why aren't they getting help? They clearly have issues or whatever. And you know, like that's kind of, first of all, a shitty way to think about people that you care about or anyone. Um, but, you know, consider all the barriers that are in the way of people accessing what they actually need. Um, I think that's just something that definitely needs to be kept in mind and considered because not everybody like accessing therapy and mental health services is a privilege. It's so crazy because I knew that I knew that. But I, I guess even I'm, I'm not going to claim that I know shit about insurance because I don't. Um, but I didn't even know that you could have insurance and still basically be in this scenario that you were in. That's yeah, I was I was paying for 100 percent of it because until you meet your like whatever your deductible is, mine was just high because I mean, I don't know insurance. But uh, right, but also yeah. that's the point, too, is like we're we're in our 20s and we don't know shit about insurance like we make we say cool to a plan and then something comes up and then we're like oh shit like so that's what that meant. and now i'm screwed exactly. now i need this and i can't access it yep pretty much um so yeah that's definitely a struggle um for sure and insurance can also dictate the amount of like visits that you get as well so it's not to say like it's the worst thing in the world to go through your insurance but there are like even people who do have health insurance have a lot of barriers to accessing mental health care. Um, yeah. So one other thing that's really interesting that I learned from a client, actually, um, a former client who did some work with like life insurance, apparently, and this gets me so mad, but apparently if you like use insurance for any kind of mental health services and like it's on your like health record and you want to get life insurance, you like have to pay like a bunch more because technically like if you have even just a history of going to therapy or being on medication that like you're more of a risk to them um, because like to get life insurance. And I was just like, when he told me this, I honestly was like losing my shit. I was like, this is not currently happening. This is not okay. And it's still currently happening. So like, that's just another, you know, example of the mental health stigma being alive and well, and that's, you know, for life insurance, like they make everything so much more difficult. And it's like, it's crazy that I think a lot of people maybe still think that every single person that's in therapy or has mental health concerns or might have a mental illness, like we all want to kill ourselves. Not every single one of us want to fucking kill ourselves. Amen. <laughs> I wish you could, I wish everyone like 
This is where I wish this podcast we had like <laughs> camera crew all the time. Yeah. I wish you could see not only <laughs> Caitlin and I's faces during this. We're face palming, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And then and then you see Janelle's face after she says that she's just like got this like what look you know this crazy look it doesn't make it sounds any like sense. you're talking about a scenario in like a different country or something you know what i mean i i can't believe this is happening here and i and i have to just say like i feel very blessed to to have just the opportunity to be in therapy at to the extent that i am and to be able to afford it because it, it isn't cheap for me but it's it's not unattainable i, I definitely have to prioritize it. It was a tough pill to swallow for me that I was going to be spending. Um, it began as $200 a month. Now I'm down to like 50 or a hundred a month on therapy. And it's like in your head, you're like, that's, that's crazy. And and I know that's a good price. So I feel like that like barrier being like, okay, you know, like I spend 50 bucks, maybe a week at the bar sometimes like <laughs> what's more important a couple martinis and a cheeseburger or getting in a good place. And and that was like the realization. I'm like, you know what? I think I can, I can handle this. But, but again, that's 50 bucks per session is probably, I'm assuming relatively cheap considering other people's challenges. Yeah. yeah. So I like that you bring that up because I think it is like a mindset shift and like perspective change because we, I mean, especially like thinking of just young people who never had mental health concerns before, like it's never been a thought in their mind that one day I would have to maybe spend up to like 200 bucks a month on my mental health. And it's just when you make that shift that like this is necessary for me and my well-being and I can't, I mean, I don't know, there's just so much again, like there's definitely privilege behind being able to afford it, but, um, you know, like, Hey, shifting the perspective to like, Hey, okay. I can't afford not to invest in my mental health right now. I can't afford not to invest in myself because I need this. I desperately need this and it sucks. And I might go kicking and screaming, but I'm going to therapy and I'm paying for it. Um, and uh, that can definitely be very difficult to come to terms with. But um, sometimes it's definitely, um, you know, a much needed decision. And kind of on the topic of insurance and therapy pricing, um, this is something I like to talk about because I want to continue to put it into perspective for people. So the practice that I work at... Um, I, my boss, Holly, she decided for the practice to be private pay only, and it's just to not have the, um, all the constrictions that insurance is kind of creates and not having to jump through hoops to do all of these things. Um, so with that, I've definitely, um, seen, or I've had plenty of comments on social media with people like, you know, that's not possible for people and just talking about how unrealistic it is. Um, which totally makes sense. But I think the frustration, anger, whatever comes up is definitely misdirected because therapists should be making like at least $100 per session. Like that's very normal across the board. Um, some, but so yeah, like I said, it's misdirected. It should be directed towards like just the healthcare system in general and how we need a lot of policy change. Um, because once that all gets fixed wishful thinking um the insurance companies will pay therapists what they actually deserve and they won't decline people because they don't have a disorder and just you know make it a lot more just generally accessible to everybody um because we would definitely be accepting insurance if they made it something that wasn't like so difficult it is very difficult for therapists to work with these insurance companies and to think of like working 40 hours a week with clients and then like on the side you still have to do all of this like back and forth calling following up emailing like it's a very big hassle and sometimes i've heard people don't get paid for like weeks and their rates are really low for what they reimburse providers 
So that's another thing that's kind of like behind the scenes that a lot of people don't fully know of unless you're in this industry. Um, so it's not that anybody or I can't, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but most therapists, like they don't want to see you go broke trying to get mental health treatment. Like absolutely not because that would suck. That's heartbreaking. And I want to be able to help literally anybody. I don't want to have to rely on, you know, this individual makes enough to be able to pay me this each time. Like I would love for insurance to cover 100%. Um, I would love for the insurance companies to be able to pay providers livable wages and all of that stuff. But there's just so much behind it. That's, it's not as simple as therapists charge too much. And now we're angry at therapists. Um, we're, we are not at all the problem. I think that's interesting because I'm looking at it, trying to put it in perspective of any other industry job. If you're working more and you're not getting paid enough, you either don't work the extra hours and you say, screw you, pay me more, or you get a new job. Like that's simple for someone like Bobby or myself who aren't in the mental health industry. But I think people think, you know, let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm in marketing. If I don't deliver my marketing metrics, like it's not a big deal. People don't feel in, personally impacted by that, right? Whereas in your field, if you don't deliver whatever it is those hours are, people see that as a personal attack on them. So it's like, I cannot deliver marketing materials and I can just be like, well, whatever, I'll just find something better and I'll, I'll do something differently. But you're kind of at a standstill. There's nothing you can really do there. Like you can't, you can't get a different job. You can't not put in the hours. It's, it's, it's interesting to look at it that way. Yeah. And I definitely wouldn't want to do anything else regardless of that. Like I would rather, you know, go through this struggle and still be able to help people. But it's just that, you know, overall, you know, pain in the ass is just like the insurance, but not even just the insurance. It's just like a lot of, uh, you know, healthcare policy shit. And uh, that's why, I mean, I'm not the most politically savvy person and I will be the very first to admit that um, but something that can be very helpful a couple of things we already touched on the one which is just being more mindful of um, you know certain language especially the use of like illnesses as adjectives but also voting with mental health in mind and um, trying to understand even if it takes a little bit longer to see like what their stance is on like mental health care um, because it is just as important as physical health. Um, and I will say that until I'm blue in the face, but I think it's just something that is still, even with people saying it so frequently and it being a lot more normalized, like it falls on a lot of deaf ears. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's, it's very important for people to just understand. I like it. We we say it all the time on the on this podcast. You don't have to necessarily agree, but you have to understand. And or try know, to understand. Or, or at least try to understand. Yeah. And um I think that's very important. We're just about done um here. Um I mean, I feel like we could go all night, which we definitely could, but you said you had dinner, you know. We <laughs> don't want to hold you back from dinner. Um we like to give our guests like a closing argument. If there's one thing that out of anything that we talked about today or something that kind of has just been on your mind that you really want um, our listeners to take home as a piece of value, what would that be? That general idea that um, there has to be something wrong with you for you know you to be valid enough to talk to other people or to seek out treatment is something that was definitely very big for for me in my own personal journey. And I think that kept me struggling for longer than I needed to. Like I mentioned, I started having depressive symptoms in eighth grade and I didn't get therapy until senior year of high school um, because it just wasn't really anything that I felt like I could share because there was a lot of, you know, shame and even some guilt around it. But what you're experiencing is not at all a personal failure. And the one thing I've noticed in more recent years as well with growing my social platforms is that 
you never know who you can relate to unless you actually talk about it. Um, you never know who needs to hear exactly what you're saying to. And I think the more that we share about our experiences um, and tap into that vulnerability, um, we continue to let shame die um, because shame can't thrive when we are all understanding and accepting of one another. Um, so it's okay to not be okay, which I'm sure everybody's heard a million times, but it really is. And um, if you feel like you're struggling alone, I would love to encourage you to try to just reach out to at least one person, um, one person in your life. And if you feel like you don't have anybody to turn to, obviously there are like different resources, text lines, call lines, and you don't have to be actively suicidal to access those services. You can definitely still call if you just really feel like you're having a hard day or time and you need somebody to talk to. Um, but you're definitely not alone. And there are so many people out there that have gone through similar experiences. And um, I think you deserve to be heard. All right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was that was a great monologue. Thank you so much. I I can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thanks for taking the leap with us and being our first remote guest. I think it went pretty well considering. Yes. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, at this time, if you want, you can share any of your social media if you're okay with people reaching out to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do have a very, very interesting profile, I will say. Yeah. So. She's, def- she's a good follow. I highly recommend. <laughs> thank you. So I'm on all social platforms at Janelle Hedick. Um, but I mainly live on Instagram and TikTok. I am on that TikTok game. I have so much fun. So if you want to see me embarrass myself for your entertainment and education purposes, check me out. Um, I'm also at JanelleHedick.com. Can you just spell that for our listeners who uh, yes. don't follow us on Instagram, who yes. all should? But uh, yes. yeah, spell it for <laughs> yeah. us. So you should follow them first and then me. But it's J A N E L L E. And headache is with an H, H-E-T-T-I-C-K. Awesome. Thank you. Again, Janelle, this was awesome. It's going to be fun going forward now, since now that we know what the heck we're doing. Yay! Um, so, yeah, thank you for helping us through this. And uh, it was it was awesome talking to you. I knew it was going to be a great conversation. Like I said, we I feel like we could go all night. So we'll just have to have you on again. Absolutely. Yeah. I think having you on, we did get a little bit of feedback from our episode last week about our own experiences. We shared very briefly about our conversations. um, I'm sorry, our experiences with depression, Bobby and mine. And some people were wanting us to get a little bit deeper into it. So I'm really glad all the things that I had planned to ask you, you brought up. So thank you. Perfect. I feel like we're just in sync, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Love it. On that note, everybody, you know what to do. Feel free to follow the Irregular Instagram page at Irregular Podcast. Feel free to follow my personal uh, Instagram as well, too, at YoBob, E-Y-O-O-O underscore B-O-B. And follow my personal Instagram as well at Katie underscore A-N-I. It's K-A-I. T-Y underscore A-N-I. Janelle, thank you again for, for, ha- for coming and joining us tonight. And for everybody else, we will see you next Thursday. Love you.